Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Podcast. Of course, this weekend, as part of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations, the Oaks and the Derby, well, the Derby, the ultimate test of the thoroughbred, takes centre stage at Epsom Downs Racecourse in Surrey. Lots to look forward to, of course, with the likes of Aidan O'Brien superstars, including uh, the likes of Stone Age, taking on good old Finns Nahani, the nation's pride, but of course, the anti-post favourite, which is Desert Crown 4. So Michael Stout, delighted to say we joined for out by Ed Quigley and Andy Holding. Chaps, uh, Ed, I'll start with you first. Obviously the Derby and the Oaks, two of the most famous races in the flat racing calendar. Uh, what's kind of one of your favourite memories of either of the races? Yeah, hi Danny. Hi everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the loads aren't there really. Um, well, I said, when we were speaking off air, I said the last Derby I actually attended in person was a poor moire's derby and the, the crazy antics of Mikhail Barcelona it was actually on the on the banks with the with the picnic rug. There were a few of us and we thought in real time something's just gone totally wrong here. We've got a wrong winning post type scenario from a from a fakenum or something, you know. Uh, there was all kinds of people looking at each other puzzlement. But no, that was that was crazy days to be honest with you. But yeah, loads of really good memories. The one that really got my kind of uh, hairs on the back of my neck was in recent times was when Authorised absolutely wiped the field with them. I remember the hype coming into that race. Uh, I was working at a bookmakers at the time. And of course, Frankie de Toy was trying to get that hoodoo off his back of one race he hadn't got on his CV. And the pressure was on. He was well backed on the day. And uh, maybe him just swinging around tapping corner into the home straight and uh, flying dismounts all over the gaff. I think Frankie actually gave us two flying dismounts, didn't he? He got back on to, for one more cheer from the crowd. So, yeah, it, it was brilliant. But, yeah, the Derby, as you say, and the Oaks, uh, two absolute peaks in the flat racing calendar and it all just comes thick and fast doesn't it at the moment Dan you've got this and Royal Ascot fortnight away I can't believe be Christmas soon <laughs> yeah not long <laughs> indeed to the Royal meeting see the stars was a special one for me in 09 Andy uh, what about yourself um yeah I go back a, a little bit further um back in sort of like the 80s and early 90s just to go over the Palamine we used to make a annual pilgrimage to, to Epsom when it used to be um, a proper sort of carnival up the inside of the track. We used to sort of um, go where the buses were and what have you and all the picnics and, and, and the gazebos um, and, and watch it uh, in, in the cheap seats. Um, and I was there for the days of, you know, your Nashwans, reference points, slip anchors. But I mean, we'll have to go back for me to, to uh, remember or recalculate the, how Dancing Brave managed to get beat uh, by yeah. Sharastrani. Luckily, I did manage to back Sharastrani, but... Um, yeah, Dancing Brave. Um, that was definitely one that got away. Uh, in recent times, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a you know, relatively fallow period for myself until I managed to fluke Adiar last year um, at a big at a big price. So that's hopefully hopefully I can keep um, that trend going this year. Well, talk twelve months on. Hopefully, Andy can point you in the direction of another winner in the Blue Ribboned event. Just before we start, just uh, to point in the direction of the Odds Checker app, it's the best place to check out free bets, tips, analysis and plenty more offers from a range of bookmakers. Don't forget, you can read Andy's tips as well as all the other Odds Checker tipsters. So make sure you do head to the Odds Checker app. Uh, we'll start on the Friday, though. And of course, the Oaks is the highlight, but we kick off at two o'clock with the Kazoo Woodcock British EBF stakes. The going, by the way, at the time of recording on Wednesday is good to soft, soft in places. I think there's a couple uh, more spots of rain, but then quite a dry outlook apart from Saturday, which still remains unsettled. But looking ahead to the Woodcock, been won by some interesting types in recent years. Andy, anything that stands out for you here in the opener? Yeah, I've been keeping close. Um tabs on the, on the T-Rolls and, and their time figures building up to Royal Ascot. I've got a good portfolio of horses that have done some really good numbers. And one of them is Commander Straker. 
Um, he um, got beat on his first two runs by a nice horse at um, Newbury, then uh, another nice horse at John Quinn's Breeze at Weatherby uh, when he was an odds-on shot. Um, again, he was a short price favourite next time out at Bath, and um, he, he powered clear in the latter stage. He actually showed plenty of tenacity off the bridle um, and hit the line quite strong, unlike his previous run when he was a little bit headstrong early on and then faded in the back end. So he's beginning to learn on the job and get the idea of how to run a race back to, back to front. Um, and like I say, his time figure was very good. I actually had him down as a Windsor Castle type. I thought a stiff five furlongs at Ascot might be ideal. I haven't got a problem with him running over six furlongs here at Epsom on a sharp track. But the the, the, the sort of doubt, doubt I've got now, having um, seen the draw, is he'd been given stall 12, which, as we know, stuck out on the outside. And the come down from that shoot at Epsom, you know, you could be running on into the into the, into the the Guinness tent if you're not careful. Um, I'm not sure whether there is a Guinness tent down at the three furlong pole at Epsom, but... Um, <laughs> So hopefully if there you'd, is find one, he, it. you'd find he, it if there was uh, yeah, one. <laughs> if, 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 if there is one he doesn't find it yeah. but he's got plenty of early boots so he might be able to swoop and loop the whole field and get get to the front um because he has got a lot of natural pace he's definitely one another one to keep an eye on is keep bidding from the Ray Beckett stable race horses begin to hit a nice bit of form at the moment and this horse is well fancied on debut at Nottingham uh and he didn't get going until very late he got stuck in behind a wall of traffic um, again, the time figure of the winner was pretty good. Horse of Michael Bell's making its debut, so you know they were they were going pretty quick at Nottingham that day. So he's used to running um, at a strong pace uh, already in his, his um, you know in his early early part of his career. So that'll definitely stand him in good stead. But he's got a better draw in still four. So you've got one from a high draw in, in Commander Strike and one from a low draw Keep Bidding. But both of those two are definitely worth keeping an eye on based on what they've done so far on the clock. Okay, that's over six furlongs. The Woodcut, an interesting event. Uh, two picks for Andy there, Commander Straker, and keep bidding. Uh, Ed, should we, should we move on, unless you've got a, a thought on the two-year-old contest? No, not on that one, but on the next race in the card, I'd, I'd probably be getting involved in here, Danny, in the 2.35 in the, the handicap over the extended mile. Obviously, XL Power is, is kind of all the rage for this, arriving here on a four-timer uh, for the Archie-Watson-Holly Doyle combination, but has to defy a career-high mark now. I just wonder if last year's winner, uh, Corraz and Espinado, one for Santana fans. I know Andy has his Santana on in his car when he's... Um, doing the, the shopping in the morning, yeah, gets his, his Latin vibes going. But, um, yeah, Corazon Espinado for Simon Dow and Sylvester de Souza. I wonder if this is a bit of the forgotten horse in the field. Yes, there are younger progressive types on the way up, but this horse has a stunning record at Epsom. Obviously won the race last year, has two courses distance wins, has won on a couple of other occasions over dis different distances here. Whatever reason, just comes alive at this track. I mentioned Won this race 12 months ago. Well, that came off a BHA rating of 84. Uh, has come down the weight since going up after winning last year and is now arriving into this just a pound higher than when this 12 months ago. It's a double-figure price. I just thought perhaps it slipped a little bit under the radar. I can understand it, We as I said, with the kind of younger legs against this horse. But uh, Sylvester D'Souza comes in for the ride. He's been riding well. Uh, Corazon Espinado in the 235B might each way play there. OK, the seven year old, he can he can also walk over the road, Ed. He's trained about uh, 100 yards. Uh, 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 absolutely. Helps. I was going to say, not, not, yeah, it's obviously that part of the world, that, that air uh, which he enjoys. But it, it is fascinating, though, isn't it? You do get this. We, we, we speak about it beforehand with uh, the horses for courses, especially Epsom. I mean, that really is a trap with its idiosyncrasies. You either handle Epsom or you hate Epsom, you know, to, to be blunt. And so uh, horses with previous course of distance form there, I think it's invaluable. And I just thought, yeah, double figure price uh, around the 11 to 1 mark uh, would do for me from an each way play. 
Okay, that's Corazona Spinado in the 2.35 for Ed. Andy, any strong thoughts or do you want to move on to the Coronation Cup? No, I'll just be a little bit concerned about the draw for, for Ed's pick. I, I can see where he's coming from. 16 to 16 is, is a little bit problematical. Um, I thought Arthur's run it was one I'd just throw in, throw in as, a, as a token suggestion. He, he's a bit of a keen goer, but um, you know, in a big field strong run race, that'll suit him better than what happened last time I had to Chelmsford and four in a race when he got lit up and uh, expended too much energy. But um, yeah, he, he'd be one I'd look at at a price, but I think Ed uh, has clearly got better uh, in on that race than I have. Okay, move on then to the 310, which is, of course, the first group one of the two-day meeting, which is the Dalbury Coronation Cup, £445,000 over an extended one month <clears> and four furlongs. Six runners go to post and currently... Uh, on odds checker, you can see the two to one favourite, the general two to one, but make sure you do shop around. Is Pile Driver, the defending champion, Manovo next in at a bigger price of 11 to 4, high definition at 9 to 2, but also available at 4s, Hukum at 5s, Living Legend at 10 to 1, and Palavicino completes the six runners and he's at 100 to 1. Well, of course, Pile Driver is probably the best place to start. Frankie Dettori is aboard. Uh, Ed, obviously, a good performance last year, but what do you make of Pile Driver 12 months on? Yeah, I suppose a little bit of a question mark. Are the fires still burning to the extent? But I think he's had valid excuses in recent times. As you say, Frankie the Tory on board here. Martin Dwyer's on the sidelines of injury. He's the, the kind of jockey you associate with Pile Driver, although obviously Frankie has ridden before. And I'm quite interested you said that in terms of the betting. They've been flip-flopping a week, haven't they? Uh, Manobo and Pile Driver. And I think Pile Driver should be outright favourite here, really. I mean, he's, he's got the form in the bag. Official ratings suggest he's got quite a chunk in hand over the Godolphin <clears> runner. <throat> now, you know, I see some firms were, were kind of going two to one uh, Manobo, nine to four Pile Driver throughout the week. And they seem to have, in my view, the market has correctly uh, corrected itself, if you see what I'm saying. So, yeah, I think Pile Driver deserves to be favourite. Uh, been there and done it. Uh, bit of juice in the ground. Again, you mentioned the weather, Danny. That's quite a key point here. I mean, it absolutely lashed it down, didn't it, on uh, on Monday night into Tuesday morning. I think the ground officially went soft at that point. As mm. you say, it's good to soft, soft in places at the time of recording. So, uh, fair amount of juice in the ground. In by Friday, I don't think we're going to be like an absolute runway, put it that way. So, um, yeah, I think that won't be a problem for Pile Driver, who's won with juice in the ground before. I think he's the one they've all got to beat. I mean, it's a cracking little race, to be honest with you. I'm quite excited about it. I mean, who can the vibes listening to the Owen Burroughs team is this is very much tune up well, at least they're kind of giving him the run with bigger targets ahead was was the kind of vibe I was getting um, from what Owen Burroughs was saying. And then you've got the Joker in the pack, which is high definition, of course, who, um, you know, going into the Dante last year was one of the big talk courses. You know, he was, he was the kind of the next coming, wasn't he, out of Bally Doyle. And so far has kind of just flattered to deceive, albeit last time out at the Curra showed uh, at least some, uh, going some way to fulfilling some of that potential with a, a, an outstanding run in 2021 <coughs> to be, you know, just narrowly touched off by Alenka in the in in the closing stages. So it's it's a brilliant race. Uh, I'm tentatively with Pile Driver. Uh, I do think he's the right favourite. But anyway, if we come on here and you said Monobo was a strong favourite, I would have been all over Pile Driver just on price grounds. But I think the market is now as I kind of would expect it to be. I think it's priced up correctly and I think he is the most likely winner. And uh, of course, with the, the Frankie Friday factor, there is always the, the chance, of course, the public could latch on and it'll, it'll go a bit a bit shorter as well. But yeah, Pile Driver, uh, tentative selection, but will, will be my pick in this one. OK, Pile Driver for William Muir and Chris Grassick. Aidan O'Brien, of course, is the leading trainer. Rate of eight wins and the late but legendary Leicester Piggott 
with nine wins in the race. But pile driver for Ed. What about yourself here, Andy? Obviously, Manova, I think he broke the track record back at Maidan in February uh, before then being beaten by the Japanese Raider on World Cup night. Yeah, he's he's improved out of all recognition, hasn't he, Manobo? Um, he was pro- probably just a little bit of a uh, slow burner um, in the early part of last year, wasn't he? He, he, he didn't quite come, come to hand early enough to run in the derby, but as time um, moved on, he, he probably might not have been that far away in the Epsom Classic, given the way he improved. Um, he ended up beating Kamari towards the back end of the season. Bit of a bump in the road last time out, albeit it wasn't a bad run. When he was a little bit too keen over two miles, but mile and a half, he's, he's got loads of tactical speed. I, I can't see an issue with that. He did work the other day, didn't he, with Stubborn Companions, Walker Stars, and um, the other horse. Um, Nation. Nah- no, no, Nahani. Nahani. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, he looked a little bit sluggish that day, if I, if I was being honest. Uh, the, the, the two, three old colts went away from him. So that's a little bit of a concern. But I agree with that, getting back to his pile driver, driver analysis. Um, I couldn't agree with him more. Um, I think he should be favourite. Um, he probably might be um, come Friday anyway, once the market uh, adjusts itself. But he was really unlucky in the Shima Classic last time. He got stuck in behind a wall of horses up the inside when he was going really well. And by the time he got out, it just took him a while to get into top gear. And that's pile driver. He's not got an instantaneous turn of foot. He's a, you know, he's a, he, he likes to be wound up from a long way out like he was in this race last year. Um, so you can forgive him, you know, you can forgive him for only finishing fourth, but it was a good fourth at that. He had Hookenwell behind him. He had some very good horses in and around him as well, you know, proper group, group one, um, um, globe trotters. So yeah, we're Frankie on board. Um, you know, he's the only course and distance winner in the field. Everything looks right for him. He should get a good pace to run out. I mean, high definition. I made the running with him last time out. Palavicino can go forward. He should get a, a nice toe off them. Everything looks set fair for him. Um, yeah, so I think two to one is, isn't a bad shout. Okay, pile driver confidence selection from both the guys. That's in the Coronation Cup, the first Group 1 event at Epsom at 10 past three. You then got a competitive 345 Kazoo handicap, but I think we'll, we'll move over that for any other business and focus on the Kazoo Oaks at 430, £550,000 over the extended 12 furlongs. And John Gosden looks to have the two trumps in the pack here with Emily Upjohn and, of course, Nashua. And having a look at the betting, Emily Upjohn is currently your even money favourite, but as big as 11 to 10 with Betfred. 9 to 2, the standout price for Nashua. Tuesday at 8 to 1, along with Concert Hall, with the Moonlight 10s, Tranquil Lady at 14s, and it is 20 to 1 and bigger the rest. Well, John Gosden's got three wins in the Oaks. And of course, as I've already mentioned, he's got that strong hand. Uh, start with you this time, Andy. Would you be with either Emily Upjohn or Nashua, or are you looking further afield? Well, if you're, if you're a stat man and you, you just follow trainers that um, do really well in a certain race, you needn't look any further than uh, the main two at the front end of the market. We've got the main players, and that's John Gosden and Aidan O'Brien. John's won it, as you mentioned, three times in the last 10 years. Um, and Aidan O'Brien has won it amazingly. He's won it six times. The only one who's managed to sort of smuggle his way in there is Rafe Beckett uh, when he won it with talent back in 2013. He's actually got one that I'll discuss at a big price as well in this race as well. He's not without a chance. But, yeah, I mean, Emily Upjohn's a sexy horse. She was very good at Sandown. The form of that race has worked out well. There's been two or three winners at it who got well beat. She then went to the Musidora and was very impressive as well. Can't knock her on the clock. She's done two very good time figures. She looks as though she's won with quite a bit in hand. She's got loads of scope. She stays well, um, and and John um, and, and Thady took her to 
Epsom the other day just to give her a feel of the track. So she's had a little experience of coming down Tatman Corner, obviously not at full tilt, but at least she's got so acclimatised to the surroundings. So she she looks the right favourite. She's just not the kind of horse, Dan. That I don't I don't really want to be coming on here and tipping it even money when there's value to be had elsewhere. Certainly respect Nashua, but um, I do believe that uh, Consort Hall is probably um, slightly overpriced. I like the way this horse finished off her race in the the Irish One Thousand Guineas. I think that was a stellar renewal of that Irish Classic this year. I mean, I think the winner Homely Songs is almost certain to win the Coronation Stakes at Royal Ascot if she's in the same form. But there was you know proper good horses in that all the way down the line. And having got outpaced between the three and the two, down to the one, she picked up again inside the final form to run by um, everything else bar um, Tuesday as to have a companion. But to my eyes, anyway, she was um, definitely going to beat Tuesday with another couple, you know, a couple of more strides, leading, leading me to believe that stepping up to a mile and a half will uh, be more beneficial to her. She's already won over a mile and a quarter as well, and having the time before. So I'm, I'm not really bothered who rides who as well. I mean, if Ryan Moore rides. Tuesday and he, he deserts concert all doesn't really make any difference to me because I, I just think those top jockeys sometimes get it wrong on a, on a regular basis. So she'd definitely be my number one pick at the prices, around about eight, ten to one, I think you said. Um, and the other one, as I said, I mentioned in, in the early prelims when I was looking at it, I think that Moon de Vega um, is definitely one to keep an eye on. She She's very stoutly bred. Uh, she was very unlucky in the Cheshire Oaks uh, behind Thoughts of June and subsequent French Oaks winner above the curve so the form's good she got trapped in a pocket on the inside when the, all the other horses went by in a rush but she finished off a race really nicely that was the absolute ideal start to the season uh and the Ralph Beckett team have really come of come of age in the last couple of weeks she ran on soft ground if there is a bit of ease in the ground and that there is forecast showers so at 33 to 1 I think she's way overpriced so I'm going to play this race from an each way perspective rather than getting involved in the fav I'm going to go concert hall each way um, and Moon de Vega each way at a big, bigger price. Okay, Consort Hallway General 8 to 1 and Moon de Vega a big 33 to 1 uh, with Bet365, Ball Sports and Betway. So that's Andy's two picks. What about yourself here, Ed? Uh, quite funny that, yeah, I've been a, a Concert Hall fan for this race for a long time. Uh, I've, I've actually backed to Anti Post and uh, just touch upon the ground. I'd just be slightly nervous with this rain. This turns this into a proper test of stamina. I actually think that will really suit Emily up, John. It was interesting to listen to Frankie Tory's comments after the Musadora, where he said, he, in his opinion, the ground was riding miles slower than the official going description of good. Uh, and she kind of just took off and ploughed through it, if you see what I'm saying. And there was enough juice in the ground on a debut at Sundown. So with Emily up, John, I was getting to the point where if we get proper rattling quick ground, I would be nervous because she's a huge filly. You see her in the paddock compared to some of the others. She's like, you know, a bit like Denman in chasing terms. She's an absolute, is a tank, whereas some of the others are a little bit more fleet of foot. So, look, Emily Upjohn, right favourite, right price, ticks on the right boxes. But Concert Hall said I've been really keen on for a long time. I would just like the, the sun to come out a little bit for her. But uh, a lot of what Andy's saying, she, over 10 furlongs in the Salsa Bill Stakes, she had a really good attitude on the first attempt of that trip. She wasn't any particular great shakes last year in a two-year-old campaign, but I just get the feeling there's a lot more to come up in distance this time round, she came back to a mile, looked outpaced at a, a crucial stage for staying on really strongly uh, last time out in the Irish 1000 behind a potential superstar. And look, it's not an absolute given she will get a mile and a half. Being a Dubawi, slight question mark there. But a dam, of course, was was who went and won this race uh, 10 years ago. So, um, you know, she's got it in the family for like a mother won the Oaks. And I, I just think everything we've seen from her in terms of a running style suggests 
she's definitely worth a crack at this trip. So, yeah, I totally respect Emily up, John. I think recent reigns uh, enhanced her credentials, whereas perhaps gone against Nashua's. I think it's more of a filly with a turn of foot and it's done on quicker ground, shall we say. I mean, still unexposed and nothing to suggest she won't handle it. But um, I just think, yeah, at the prices, there's enough doubts about the top two. So, yeah, I'm concert hall each way, uh, very similar to Andy. OK, concert hall was, of course, the dam successful in 2012 at 20 to 1, but concert hall a general 20, uh, 8 to 1 shot for the Oaks. We've also got the likes in there of classic trial winners, Road Millennium, Fourths of June and the Pretty Polly winner with the Moonlight. But that's a good look at the Oaks and the guys are conflict with Concert Hall. And Andy also putting up Moon de Vega at 33 to 1 in the Phillies Classic. Uh, any other business chaps on day one? Ed, yeah. Yeah, I was just, just first. Yeah. Sorry, lost you there, Danny. Go on, Ed, you go first. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I've totally lost you there. Um, no, just in the 510. Uh, I'm just going to take a chance here of Oscula. The George Bowie team, William Buick on board. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the wheels have come off in recent times uh, with this individual. He's been a bit of a globe trotter, been off to France, uh, been everywhere really. Uh, you know, just right, left, and centre, uh, running around all parts of the globe. But has got Epsom form in the book, and I think on paper this looks a, a realistic assignment at listed level here. Official figures suggest that Schuler is right in the mix, and the George Bowie team. An absolutely flying form at the moment. They've been operating, haven't they, around about 25% strike rate for the whole of May. And uh, they're amongst the winners again yesterday. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with a skewler there. I'm yet to see a price. But, um, obviously, if it's, if it's an, an unforeseen short price, then I'll be swerving it. But definitely one to keep in the notepad there because I, I think this is a much more realistic event. OK, a skewler who, funnily enough, won the woodcut. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Andy? Uh, just one in the last race, um, just, just going to mention, I don't know what price it, it, it is because there's no odds at the moment available, but uh, providing all ban in the 5.45 is sort of 60 to 1 upwards, which I'm, I'm pretty sure he will be, then I might just have a round of drinks on him. He, he just caught the other day at York in that very strongly run race won by Elan, I think it was Elan Dub, was it? Um, I, I put up the second on Oddshaker on column. I've also been following uh, of late Lion Tower. So the form looks fairly reliable one with regards to numbers. Um, and I noticed because Orban not getting the clearest to run, where he would have finished is anyone's guess, but um, I think he probably would have finished in the frame with a clear passage. Uh, so his form figures of 0, 0, 9 are probably a little bit better than what they should they actually read at first glance. He's got a good draw as well. And David O'Meara often pops up with a decent handicap of winner here at Epsom. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Orban's going to be a price come um, tomorrow strike Friday Friday morning. Okay, so a skewler for Ed in the Surrey Stakes at 5.10 and then in the finale at 5.45. A good word for Orban from Andy. Moving on to Saturday, of course, the derby is the highlight, but we kick off at 2 o'clock with a £75,000 handicap. We send it 10 furlongs. Uh, the current betting has Naeem as your Yanifis as the 5-1 to favourite. 6-1 to for Blue Trail, 8-1 to for Schmilson. Uh, nine to one available for Inverness. Similar price about Mr. Big Stuff, and then twelve to one bar. Obviously, at the time of recording, we haven't got the final decks. But is there anything that sprang to mind here, Andy? Yeah, a horse of Charlie Hills is called Inverness. Um, he ran here in the um, the Derby trial um, back in uh, April, mid-April, and apparently he was very backward in his coat that day. I was on Hills Radio that day, and Ken Pitson was doing the paddock side stuff, and I actually put up Inverness in my column um, with a view to for him to hopefully run quite well. 
he didn't run badly. He only got beat sort of five lengths. But um, given what Ken said about him beforehand, that he would need the run, uh, I, I made a heavy note to that. But the race has worked out quite nicely subsequently. Zane Zarinda was, I think, second or third in the in the Dante, off memory. Uh, United Nations, of course, went on to win the Lingfield Derby trial himself, beating Walker Stars. And Mighty Ulysses won next time at Newmarket. was a bit unlucky not to win the Silver Bowl. So all of a sudden, that race doesn't look too shabby, um, even though it's, it's normally poo-pooed by the um, racing media. Um, and he's got a mark of 89, a handicap mark of 89. Now, given that he was running in a derby trial, obviously he didn't come up to scratch. They think perhaps he could be a, a listed stroke group horse. Um, you know, if, if they're prepared to roll the dice here in a, in a handicap, then hopefully he could um, he could um, do some damage. The fact that he's run around the track as well, and not many have, has got to be seen as a positive. And I'm sure that he'll be a lot straighter than he was the first day. So Inverness is one to keep an eye on in the first. OK, Inverness 9-1 to one with both Paddy Power and Betfair. Uh, anything in the opener for you, Ed? Uh, no, sitting that one out. OK, move on then to the next race, which is the first group event of the day, which is the Princess Elizabeth Stakes. Another competitive event. Uh, Cheveley Park looked to hold a few aces here, though, with Boris Rakova at the 11-4. Jolly had a Potapova at 3-1 to one for Ryan Moore and Sir Michael Stout. 5-1 to one for Mrs Fitzherbert. Majestic Glory is a 7-1 to one chance. Technique at 8-1, along with Miss Marble. And it is 10-1 to one and bigger the rest. Uh, do you have it between the Cheveley Park runners here, Ed? Yes. Yeah. I'm. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm a forgiving person, uh, Danny. But Potter Pover's been a little bit of a, a cliff of Philly, uh, shall we say? I mean, when she won, I know it was it was a red card maiden, or wasn't it? I mean, I could believe what I saw last year when she won that. I thought, crikey! I mean, Danny Tudope got off. He was. You could keep him still. He was like wired up after after winning on on her that occasion. You could tell he was absolutely doing cartwheels and then she's been highly tried i mean they threw her straight in didn't they into royal ascot in the coronation stakes on the back of a uh, a red car maiden win and she was down the field and she's running some really good races and I, I i look i think she needs 10 furlongs it's just a case they can't get her to settle but i just wonder if a bit of cutting the ground an extended mile to go a good gallop it'll bring her stamina into play it's just getting her to switch off we saw it again at kempton last time out she was a bit slowly away. She was a bit keen early doors. And then it was only kind of in the, the final furlong, if you like, the penny dropped and and she kind of really got her act together. So I, I think emphasis on stamina here, you know, the extended mile, a bit of cut in the ground. She's banged there on official figures. It sounds like Ryan Moore is going to ride as well. I think there's no excuses, shall we say, on on this front. This is a this is a realistic event. You know, she's there's a baptism of fire for her after a red, red car maiden win. And I, I I think it's between the two. Yeah, Bashkarova, William Haggis team, that's something else we should touch upon. I mean, they really have been absolutely lighting up the track, didn't they? I mean, was it like 40% strike rate for second half of May or something? I mean, he, he, he's he gone on record to say himself, he's got his string uh, a lot more forward than they normally would be compared to previous years. You know, they're operating at a really healthy rate and um, he's getting horses to come back after uh, long absences and they're flying in. So everything with Team Haggis is, is great at the moment. And I think, yeah, everything with Cheveley Park uh, will be great in this race. I'm, I'm marginally with Potapova. Uh, I think it's between those two. But um, I give him faith on Sir Michael, uh, the rejuvenated Sir Michael with Ryan Moore on board to get the job done. Mark, it seems uh, a bit... Bit unsure, really, who should go off favourite. Five to two favourite with Unibet Potapova, but then as big as three to one with Bet365, Paddy Power, Bet Fair. What about yourself here, Andy? 
Uh, a lot depends on the draw and how this race shapes up once the decks are obviously through. Um, but I was quite impressed with Mrs. Fitzherbert when she beat uh, Bashkarova at uh, Goodwood. To my eyes, anyway, she looked the best filly out the two on the day. Obviously, we don't know the strength and fitness um, and where they were at at that particular juncture of the season. Obviously, 35 days on for the pair. Uh, it could be a different ball game, but, um, you know, Hume Morrison's horses are still running well. Quick Thorn won well for him the other day um, in the in one of those good races at Sandan, Henry VIII. So, yeah, providing that Mrs. Fitzherbert gets a good draw, um, she should be there or thereabouts. And as as we've got time recording, she looks as though she can, she's going to be some kind of each way price, around about four to one. As big as five to one with um, Betfair, that's Mrs. Fitzherbert, also available at the general fours. So there you go, two picks. over for Ed and Mrs. Fitzherbert for Andy. The Diamed Stakes is next, the group three event at 310, £100,000 event over the extended mile. Looks like these eights are going to line up with jockey bookings all confirmed. And your even money favourite for Team Godolphin is Modern News at even money. Three to one for Muda Sarbeck, fives for both McGallan and finest sound eight to one Sakuski, uh, ten to one for Escobar Bell Rock and the outsider fourteen to one for Tempest for Holly Dull. Uh Well, modern news, Andy, of course, was impressive at Windsor last time out. What do you make of uh, him in this event? Well, I'll put it this way: um, there is good even monies and bad even monies, of course. Um, and if you compare, let's say, just for argument's sake, for this podcast purposes, we've already covered Emily Upjohn at even money. And now we've got another even money poke here. Which one's the best? I'd have modern news at even money all day long over Emily Upjohn. Um, you know, given the one's got to prove herself in, in a classic against horses who are unproven over the trip. And there's lots of ifs and buts. But, I mean, th- th- this this horse is just on a massive upward curve. He, he, was, a, he was a strong fancy for the Lincoln, wasn't he, back in uh, March? And for one reason or another, he just didn't run up to scratch. But since then, he's literally took off. He went to the Spring Cup and beat all the horses that beat him at... Um, at uh, Donny, which indicated that he is improving at a rapid rate at knots. And then last time, oh, goodness me, when he won that listed race at Windsor, uh, obviously I'm a you know, keeper of time figures and sectionals. I mean, this was just off the charts good. Um, you know, he absolutely battered Tempus um, and, and threw two other horses in exemplary style, you know, hitting the line really hard. Like I say, his back end work was really good. He just looked a horse right on top of his game. Like I say, he's just flourishing at the right time. Unless he gets drawn eight of eight or something ridiculous and, you know, he gets shoved out on the outside and, and something goes wrong with him in the run here, he'll absolutely batter this lot. He's just the quickest He's just the quickest horse in the field, the best horse in the field, and the one improving at the most um, important, point of the to- uh, at the important point of the season. So, yeah, not going to um, bore you with uh, too much faff about the others. This is all about modern news. Okay, modern news, even money with Paddy Power and Betfair, but it's as short as 8 to 11 with Sky Bet, so do make sure you shop around. Uh, are you in the modern news camp as well, Ed? Yeah, an original be with the even money shop there. On the basis of we don't get a, a change of weather and it does become pretty soft, I'm hoping the ground's really dried out by Saturday. Looking at the weather forecast, you know, 18 blue skies for Derby Day. Uh, just the one time modern news ran on soft, uh, random well below par, albeit the horse is a different proposition now uh, to then, if you see what I'm saying, I think has improved. And as Andy says, just blew apart the field last time out, which looks to be on an upward curve. And I, I wouldn't be shocked, he has to say, if the, if the ground is uh, is drying out nicely, this horse starts kind of around the four to six mark. Um, yeah, I, I can't see even money being around on the day, personally. Okay. And they'll probably, probably race on a new strip of ground, won't they, Ed, as well, on Saturday? Yeah. The clock of the course will 
probably say you know at least five or six widths in from, from the rails the, to get moved from, yeah. the, from the oaks yeah. on the Friday. Yeah, so we, we get a fresh trip as well. Yeah, so unless the storms, um, uh, yeah, I'd t- take the even money. That'd be uh, my angle. Yep. Okay, modern news, a confident pick in the Diamed for both of the guys, for William Buick and Charlie Appleby. Uh, the Dash is next at 3.45. Ultra competitive as always, fine wine, 6-1 to favourite, ahead of living the dream, I think, who's interesting for Adam West. Uh, anything on this, chaps, or move straight on to the Derby? I mean, you, it's a bit of, it's always a lottery, especially when the deck's on out. Relying on, you, relying on you, Danny, for this one. This is your, your, all yours. Take it away. <laughs> well, I don't think Adam West, living the dream, is ultra progressive. I know he's also got live in the moment, but I think... Uh, He's pretty hopeful of a good run. I think he might be able to. The younger horse can fight out the finish with potentially fine wine. Andy, any th- any thoughts? Similar to Red, I, I wouldn't really want to get involved at this stage until I know the draw. I think it's a massive draw race, isn't it? You know, you're going to get was it 20 runner maximum field or certainly upwards or close to that. Um, yeah, and if you draw, if if you go and tip something here on out now and it gets drawn two of 20, you know, it makes it look a bit foolish, and you, you kind of tips stands doesn't it as it were so I, th- I think without knowing that information it becomes almost an impossible um guessing game so I'd, I'd probably leave it alone until at least i've had a look at the draw that's the dash and then move on of course to flat racing's blue ribbon event which is of course the group one kazoo derby at 431.5 million over the extended 12 furlongs watch the race live on itv but of course your market leader for sir michael start the master in the same chris kin colors is Desert Crown, who of course won the Dante last time out. Richard King's got aboard. He's as short as 13, 5 to 4 here, I can see with 8 8 Sport, 13 to 8 with Bet Victor, but 15 to 8 standout with Sky Betts. You've then got Stone Age for the Maestro Aiden O'Brien at 4 to 1. Nation's Pride at a General Sevens, Changing of the Guard at 8 to 1. Pisbadil also at 8s, and then Walker Stars at 16s, along with Star of India and Westover. It's 25 to one bar but do shop around because looking at the prices here on odds checker there's all sorts of different prices for different horses so definitely worth having a shop around so just cracking on guys i thought we'd start looking at desert crown of course very impressive in the dante but what do you make of his makeup here andy for a race like the derby do you think despite that unexposed nature he still has the class to go around and win on this undulation undulating track yeah, I mean, visually, he, he looked very good on, on the nose miles, no denying that. Um, his time figure was good as well. I can't knock him from a, a numbers perspective. He's he's up there with some of the best. But that, that's, the, that's the, the, the key to this year's derby. We've got a hell of a lot of horses all seem in and around the same kind of horse. So to, to be asked to take 13 to 8, 7 or 4 about a horse I don't think has got anything in hand at all, um, is tantamount to suicide uh, or punting suicide. Um, I didn't think it was a great Dante either in behind me. I mean, you've got a horse that finished third or fourth that was ran on the all weather the time before. Was it Dark Moon Rising? I mean, Rural Heritage was exposed. Bluegrass was definitely a chuck away run from Ryan O'Brien. I mean, mm. you know, he had quite a few horses in that race um, at the five day stage, but he ran all his big guns at Chester. I think he just run that one as a bit of a foot soldier just because he thought, well, you know, he was down the field in the bally sacks. Let's 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 just get a, a, an indication of 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 what perhaps the, the winner of the race might be. And you know, he got beat five lengths, so he's probably thinking, well, I've got a horse or three horses that are five, you know, five or six lengths better than Bluegrass. Um, so yeah, I, I, look, he could, of course, he can win. Um, it'd be foolish of me to come on here and say, he, he, you know, he can't. But He's, he's just a horse I'd just avoid with, you know, like, like the plague at that price. Um, 
I think Aiden O'Brien's got a really strong hand, including Stone Age. He's just a relentless galloper, likeable type, lovely attitude, well-balanced. His numbers are very strong. Um, I'd prefer him at the prices, and if there was a bit of juice in the ground, that wouldn't bother him either. He's used to running with plenty of give. Um, Nation's pride, obviously a, a, a late um, Johnny-come-lately or late supplementary entry. It looks like Buick's going to ride him. A little bit of a surprise in some respects. Um, he did a big number when he won at Newmarket, by the way. He's right up at the top of our time figure, so I couldn't put you off him. But the one I'm going to fall back on here, uh, without waffling on too long, is, is Stabber Companion Walker Stars. Mm. Now, I, I put this horse up uh, as a horse to follow when I did the, my 10 to follow with uh, George Ellick the other day. Um, so whatever happens to him in the derby, win, lose or draw, I think he's a horse to follow because I don't think he's the finished article yet. He's still a little bit gawky, a bit green, um, a little bit babyish in many respects. But so does that, so was Addy here before he came into this race last year and he still managed to come of age on the day and win. Uh, and he reminds me so much of him, just looking at him physically, the way he ran at Lingfield. I mean, don't forget Addy, I got beat by three rounds, third rounds at Lingfield before he came on and won the derby. So there's a lot of symmetry between the two horses. And I think physically they look the same as well. He'll definitely get the trip. He's had a run round Epsom as well the other day. They came here. Uh, with Nahani Stabber Companion to have a spin round Epsom um, when they finished well ahead of Mahobo. He came down the, the hill fine. Um, so I think he's got a l- bigger chance than the market indicates. I think 14, 16 to 1 is an insult for a horse with so much ability. And I think that last run might have just done him the world of good at Lingfield, even though it was only a four-runner race, because he, he had to um, overcome a lot of adversity in the race to uh, end up um, forcing the United Nations to pull out all the stops. So He'll do for me at the prices. Uh, Charlie Appleby knows the key to this race now. Massar, Adair, and hopefully it can be Walker Stars this year. Okay, Walker Stars, the pick for Andy at 16 to 1. Look, they need the experience last time, but I think definitely more to come. Interesting to see. I mean, will will the Doyle be on board and Adam Kirby on the Harney? That'll be interesting, I think. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I don't really mind. It, you know, last year, Kirby Road and Adair, it, it just makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. People read into that far, far too much. I mean, jockeys will obviously don't know, you know, feel at home, whatever, but running around Epsom mile and a half in a derby with all that atmosphere and, and what have you, horses just come alive, all the horses shrink. It's just whatever clicks on the day. And, you know, even the big boys get it wrong as, as William Butte, you know, proved last year. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even look at jockey bookings. It just, and, and a lot of jockey book jockeys as well are not stupid. They tend to look at the market as well. They, if if they're on a if they've got a chance of running a five to one shot over a twenty to one shot, they'll they'll pick the five to one shot virtually ten times out of ten. So um yeah, like I say, they're 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 not stupid on that front. But yeah, I I don't really mind who rides Walker stars. Worth remembering that as long as well as winning the Derby, it'll be a first group one success for any horse that runs in this race, given every horse running in the Oaks and the Derby are yet to taste group one success. But at Walker Stars at 16 to 1 for Andy. Ed, what about yourself? That's a good stat, that Danny. I do like that one. But yeah, I'm um, I'm tying myself in knots with this one. Uh, do you want to choose to say in the Oaks? I'm all over Codsett Hall. Uh, Andy's kind of poured the cold water a little bit of Desert Crown. I want to be with Desert Crown, but I take his point, like, you know, the whole host of unexposed challenges in... You're a value uh, man, Ed. What's the matter I know. With you? It, well, I, I know. Seven of four on the derby. I know. I know. It's the weird... That's what's, what's worrying me. I keep kind of coming back to it like some kryptonite or something. Like, I'm... Um, One at the game. I know. <laughs> short, shot, <laughs> short shot 10, isn't it? But, yeah, yeah. look, I'm... Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I really am fenced in this one. Uh, the, the one horse in here which went into my notebook, I mean... 
Andy does make a point. There's a lot of unexposed horses in here, and a lot of it is subjective in terms of, you know, they've all had one or two runs. Often they're coming in here after a win, and it's kind of what stood out to you made an impression. And I did think the horse for the Christopher team, West Wind Blows, did really make me sit up and take note when, look, it was a Nottingham maiden. Uh, but they didn't really see which way he went in the closing stages, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he powered clear on that occasion over 10 furlongs. Uh, if they'd gone another furlong, he'd have been at least a dozen lengths clear. He really was. He hit the line strong. He was taking off. The, the further he went, the better he looked. The collateral form in itself hasn't really worked out at all. I think four horses have come out since. They haven't run badly. They've been placed. But, you know, it's not like the second, third or fourth have all come out and been, been winning good contests since. So, Look, but you can at times perhaps overread into collateral form when they're so unexposed. Um, and I just wonder, yeah, West Wind Blows, he's a kind of a token selection and a prize because I just think, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, going back to the point of which uh, Andy is making, lots of horses of similar profiles. Obviously, Desert Crown's done it in a Dante, which is a step up from a, a Nottingham Maiden. But there's so many of these unexposed types are just progressing at a rate of knots. You don't really know where the ceiling of their improvement's going to be. See what I'm saying? And I think he's a it's a huge old price around 33.40 to one. And um, yeah, he would be a tentative each way play here. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I want to go with the jolly, but yeah, just seven to four in, in the derby. If you know, doesn't get the run or something stupid happens. You know, there's Epsom can be the place where you you know you've got your head in your hands afterwards, can't you? With uh, you know the camber and horses drift and all sorts of interference. So yeah, West Wind blows small each way play. Okay, 40 to 1 with William Hill. Just very quickly on Desert Crown. I know he's a top class pilot anyway, but it's a huge chance for Richard Kingscott, isn't it, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, uh, would say a journeyman would be really unfair because he's had some big jobs, but it, it, this really is now gone up a level for him. And uh, look, he seems quite a cool customer. I've only ever spoken to him on a couple of occasions briefly, and he just seems very reserved, doesn't get kind of too high when he's up, doesn't get too down when he's down, which is probably a very good way of looking at it in a good temperament. But, you know, let him not kid you. He'll be feeling the 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 pressure. This will be a pressure cook environment for him on the Derby favourite for Sir Michael Stout on, on Derby Day, on Jubilee weekend. Um, he will be feeling the nerves and the pressure. And I just hope it works out brilliantly for him because, you say, he's, he's a bit of go-to jockey for a few of the big stables recently. And um, Sir Michael Stout put a lot of trust in him. So far, he's delivering, isn't he? So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, big weekend. You're, you're quite right for Richard Kingscote. Um, it, it really is a, it's a jump up in his career. And obviously, if he wins this, then good no, God knows where he goes uh, on the aftermath. You, you always have that derby win on his CV and hopefully that could propel him on to even bigger things. But yeah, I, I do I do like the favourite, but it's just the, yeah, just not my modus operandi to um, get stuck into something. It's seven to four in a derby, but I uh, wouldn't be shocked if he absolutely wipes the floor with and put it that way. But yeah, West Wind blows, small each way play for myself. OK, so Michael start looking, of course, for a sixth win in the Derby. Aiden O'Brien, his ninth. But just a reminder, Walker Stars at 16 to 1 for Andy and West Wind Blows at 40 to 1 for Ed. Just before we wrap things up, anything else uh, on day two which gets your interest, Andy? No? No, nothing at all. Those last two races, I had a good look at them um, in the last sort of 24 hours. As of yet, nothing's actually sprung out. I mean, I might have a look at it again Saturday. And if I miss something, then uh, I do apologise. Um, uh, and obviously the draw as well couldn't be fairly significant. That even that mile and a half race, five fifteen, 
and the, and the, of course the six furlong sprints is massive uh, draw biases either way, which also would be apparent in the derby as well. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Even though still, even though still one won it last year, yeah. <laughs> usually you want to be sort of somewhere in the middle. Uh, you don't want to be too high or too low. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a significant factor. But yeah, nothing in the last two races for me. Ed. No, very happy to uh, swerve those and go and get myself a, a diet lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. man. Okay, then we'll just wrap up just with your uh, your best bets, chaps, for uh, the meeting. Ed, start with you. Right. Oh, crikey, yeah. Uh, so back to Friday. Yeah, Concert Hall in the Oaks. Uh, I'm very keen on. Uh, I've got the three on the... Um, we'll go with, uh, yeah, Pile Driver in the Coronation. And then I'm taking the chance... Uh, sorry, it's four. We have the Yankee on the Friday. Uh, Carraz and Espinado. Uh, on the 2.35, and then Oscula in the 5.10. Oscula, Pile Driver, Concert Hall, and Carras and Espinado on the Friday. And then on the Saturday, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a bit more kind of um, cards close to my chest, I think it's fair to say. But um, I'm, I'm West Wind Blows, a small each way play in the derby. But there's so much guesswork at the moment. We don't have the decks, we don't have the draw, we don't know the ground. So we'll definitely be uh, getting involved much closer to the to the action. But a nice Yankee there from Ed. Your best bet at the meeting, Andy? Oh, come on. Let, let's go for a life-changing each way Yankee then. Um, being as Ed's um, chucked in four. Um, I'll go Moon de Vega at 33s in the Oaks, um, along with Orban, whatever price that'll be in the last race. That'll be 20, 25 to one. And then we've got Inverness at big price in the first uh, on the Saturday. And then we've got um, Walk of Stars in the Derby at 16s. There you go. Um, will you be there on Saturday, Andy? I am, funny enough, yeah. I- I'm going to a concert. I'm going to see the Killers and um, Sam Fender at the Emirates on Friday. And then I'm going to the Derby on Saturday. Fantastic. Hopefully you'll be on uh, the right side of life with uh, on Saturday after that performance. But thanks very much, chaps, for your company, Ed. Thanks very much. Good luck with all your bets this week. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, nice one, guys. Thanks, thanks to you, Andy, as well. Remember, you can uh, access all of Andy's best selections for the action on the odds track rack, so do keep an eye on that. Just a very quick reminder before we go to uh, watch the Racing Weekly, which is back for a second series hosted by Rishi Passad and Sam Turner. On this week's show, the chaps were joined by jockey Rob Hornby, who, of course, has a really interesting ride in the Derby on 20 to 1 shot west over. You'll find Racing Weekly on Oddschecker's YouTube channel at the beginning of every week throughout the season, so do get involved. I can assure you that this week's show is a cracker. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and wherever you do get your podcast. And thanks very much for your company today. Enjoy the action in the Oaks and Derby over the weekend. And we'll see you next time here on the Odds Checker Betting Podcast.